Good. So who's excited for Christmas? Getting all geared up for Christmas. Christmas has got to be one of like my favorite time of the year, I think, and it's pretty awesome. Looking forward to going to Denmark. My wife is Danish, so looking forward to going to Denmark for Christmas as long as Boris doesn't lock us up again. I don't think it's going to happen. It's just like a joke, right? But I do keep on saying, you know, that Boris Johnson grounded me, has grounded me more times than my mother ever did. <laughs> so I just hope it doesn't happen again. We always have a bit of a giggle, actually, around about this time, me and, me and my wife, Karen, because they've got this tradition in Denmark where they dance around the Christmas tree. It's quite funny, actually. So the first time they ever did it was like the family just got up and just pulled me and said, come on, let's dance around the Christmas tree. And they, they say this thing that, I hope I pronounced it correctly, it goes like this, Nuliuligan, which apparently means... Uh, it's Christmas time again, it's Christmas time again. So, but when I first heard it, like you tell me now what it sounds like, I thought they were singing, I'm a hooligan, I'm a hooligan. <laughs> and dancing around the Christmas tree, and I'm think, I was thinking to myself, what the heck have I married into here? <laughs> so yeah, but anyway, really looking forward to Christmas and uh, looking forward to dancing around the tree. I'm gonna, probably going to have to do it, I suppose. Anyway, it's great to be with you guys this morning. And uh, I thought this morning I'd kind of share some of my testimony. Uh, as Dan has said, I kind of had quite a powerful encounter with God 19 years ago, around about this time, actually, Christmas time. So I thought I'd kind of delve into my testimony a little bit, just share some things from my testimony. I can't share the, the whole thing, but share some things from my testimony and land it in, um, you know, in a few verses from the Bible. Um, so the, the title of my message this morning is what I've given uh, the title is For the Love of God. For the Love of God. And uh, when I say that, you might think, oh, it's one of those sayings you, you say where, like when you've hit your finger with a hammer. Oh, for the love of God. <laughs> but the lo- for the love of God this morning in the sense of like, I believe I'm preaching this morning to you guys for the love of God. Uh, I believe that love has captured me. Love has changed me. Love has transformed me. God's love. And I'm preaching to you guys this morning. I hope you're sharing a message with you guys this morning. Um, because God loves you and me. And he wants, he wants us to know that. And he wants us to be reminded of that this morning. So let me read to you a couple of verses from, Solom, uh, from the Song of Solomon, chapter 8. This is one of those passages in the Song of Solomon you can read without blushing. <laughs> because if you do read the book... <laughs> It's pretty, it's pretty explicit in some areas. Apparently, if you're a Jew, they won't let their children read this book until they're 18 years old. So that gives you a little bit of insight of like what the book and some of the graphic stuff in the book. But we can get away with this little text, I think, here. Um, it says in uh, Song of Solomon 8, verse 6 to 7, it says, Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy and yielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. The last part of that verse, really, what that means is, is that you can't really put a price on love. Love is priceless. And if you tried to put a price on it, it would... It would be kind of an embarrassment, really, to, to what love really is. And so, yeah, I want to share a little bit about my story this morning. So 19 years ago, when I was 28 years old, 
I, was, uh, I found myself in a Cardiff, in Cardiff prison in a cell and um, I was looking at a two-year sentence and amazingly got off with uh, 42 days and I think part of that reason was because the judge had, you know, saw that something had changed in my life and, and basically gave me 42 days and 100 hours community service and um, I ended up doing three weeks, 21 days in a cell, 23-hour-a-day 20, uh, bang-up, no, like no TV in the room, just loads and loads of time to think. And uh, like it's the worst grounding experience I've ever, ever had in my life. Worse than Boris's, worse than my mother's. And it's not a nice feeling when you kind of like go into a prison cell and you hear that door closing behind you and you know like, you know, you're, you're stuck there, you're in, you know, until, until, you know you, until the release day, until you get out. And you haven't got any control over that. Man, I remember one day I was in my cell and uh, I'm kind of just diving straight into the, you know, that, that point now there where, where, where I kind of experienced God. So I was in my prison cell one day and I just felt all of a sudden this incredible frustration. I don't know if you can like identify with this, but it's that kind of frustration where, just imagine this for a moment, where you just feel like you're tied up with ropes and you can't break free, you know? It's like you're trying to break free and just like the more you try, the tighter it gets. Or that feeling that you might get when you're trying to push a car uphill and you're kind of not getting anywhere. And, and I had this incredible frustration just come to the surface. And, and I think part of the frustration really was coming from the fact that I had tried so many things in my life to change and nothing ever worked. Like, give me, give, let me give you a couple of examples of things I tried. When I was 24 years old, I joined the army. And uh, this is one of my claim to fames, actually, because I did really well in the army. In phase two in Catrick, when I did uh, the infantry training course, out of 40 soldiers, I won the prize of best soldier. That's my claim to fame. That's pretty good, actually, you know. I absolutely loved the army. I thrived in the army. And then one day, I did a real stupid thing, came home for the weekend, took some drugs with my friends, went back into camp on the Monday morning, and there was basically a CDT, compulsory drugs test. Everybody on camp gets tested. Gates get locked. Nobody's allowed in, nobody's allowed out, everybody gets tested, and I got tested, got caught, and got chucked out of the army, didn't even make, actually, like, my unit or anything, just, just did the basic training. And just once again, it was that feeling of failure. Like, failure was my best friend. Every time I tried to succeed and kind of would get somewhere in life, failure wasn't far away to bring me back down again. So that was one example. Let me give you another example. You're going to love this story. This is quite funny, actually. So, um, like, when I used to take drugs, the drug of my choice at that time was amphetamines, which is speed. So, like, you know, it just keeps you up. Like, you know, you can't go to sleep when you're on amphetamines. And I could, I could actually do, like, 10 days up. And then what would happen is I'd crash and sleep for about four days and then get up and do it all over again. How many of you think this morning that's going to really mess with your head? Like, you know, you know, being up for 10 days. I remember once, right, I was so, so exhausted after being up for 10 days, and I just kept on going, like, just keep on going. Um, I fell asleep riding my bike, and my feet were still on the pedals, and I was riding my bike, and I just stopped pedaling and just fell asleep and just keeled over. This is it's like a picture of how exhausted I was. I was like, I keeled over, and the funny thing was, was my feet were still on the pedals. 
my friend who was living like two doors away from where I fell over said he could hear me snoring. So he came, up, came out to wake me up. I, I mean, I was just absolutely blitzed. I mean, that, that's the sort of like headspace and head state I was in at that time. Now, like I started to suffer with something that's called psychosis. Psychosis can lead to mental illness where you're kind of like, I didn't know whether I was dreaming or awake or, you know, it's like I was losing the plot, like, you know. And not only that, I was getting really desperate because I felt like I wanted to get free and I was getting scared because I'd been in this drug addiction for like 10 years and I couldn't break free from it. So I was getting scared. I was getting desperate and I was just like trying to cling on to stuff. And so, you know, like I was coming up with different ideas on how I could get free. And here's an idea I came up with, right? You're going to absolutely love this. Some of you, when I tell you this thing, you get, some of you are going to think, that's actually a really good idea. I thought, right, I thought that I was going to be an inventor, right? I, I believed, right, that I was going to be the next Bill Gates. And I came up with an invention. Do you want to hear what it is? When I say it now, some of you are going to say, man, that's a blinding idea. If you, if you go, out and go out and get money for this, like, just remember me, right? You know? So, like, by trade, right, I'm a car sprayer, right? So, like, I came up with this idea. And I thought to myself, oh, wow. If I could get, like, a suit, like an all-in-one suit, right? And if I could spray it with, like, a mirrored surface on it. Any of you guys seen Predator, the movie Predator? I thought, like, if you get a mirrored surface suit, right? Like, you could be invisible from 10 meters. You'd be like a chameleon, right? You'd be walking around. You can see how excited I am about it. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I was much more excited back in those days, I tell you. So, like, you could walk around and be like a chameleon. And I was going to sell my idea to the military. Man, I tell you, I thought, like, this is it. I, I even wrote, like, my idea on a piece of paper, right? And posted it to myself to prove that it was originally my idea. And then wrote on it, classified. It was like classified information. Like, this is like, this is the best idea in the world. I was so convinced about my idea, I walked into a bank because I wanted to get money to get my idea off the ground. There was a massive long queue in this bank, and I walked straight to the front of the queue, right? I was off my head. I walked straight to the front of the queue, and I banged, <laughs> I banged on the counter, and I said, hey, I want to speak to the bank manager. And the woman behind the counter, she looked at me, she said, you can't just walk to the front of the queue and like, you know, ask to speak to the bank manager. You've got, you got to queue up like everybody else. Do you know what I said to her? Do you know who I am? <laughs> I, was, I, was, I tell you, I was a legend in my own mind. I thought, I, I thought, I thought I, I'm going to be the next Bill Gates. I used to stand outside estate agents, right, where they had like mansions for sale and I'd be picking them. That's mine. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that. I walked out of that bank, walked straight to a solicitor's, right? You know, solicitors will charge you like, well, they'll charge you a lot of money to see them, right? This guy, I saw him three times and he didn't charge me a penny. He was so convinced, right, that I remember sitting with, across the table with him and I said to him, mate, you stick with me and I'll make you rich. That's what I said to him. He believed it. And, like, that was another idea that I came up with. I was trying to kind of grip on to, like, I was so desperate, I was trying to hang on to something that would kind of get me out of this lifestyle that I was in. And when I was in prison, because I didn't take any drugs in prison, and my head started to clear up a little bit, it was one of those things, once again, when I realized that, wow, Neil, that's just stupid. You know, 
you know, that, that, I mean, that's not going to work. And I, but I was just trying to come up with stuff, and then all of a sudden I felt this just incredible, this immense frustration just rise into the surface. And I felt like I was being tied up with ropes. It was such a crazy feeling. Man, I'd, I'd been experiencing depression. Man, I'd, I, I, I felt so depressed sometimes, I couldn't even be bothered to tie up my shoelaces, just be walking around like this, you know, just so down and so depressed. And that's what the state I was in when I was in, in prison. And then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, I heard this voice. This voice speak to me. And I knew that it wasn't from me. It wasn't like my voice or my internal thoughts or anything like that. It was just like a voice just came to my mind. And this voice, this voice asked me a question. And the question was, don't you remember who you are? Don't you remember who you are? Just like that. And I felt like I'd completely lost myself. I didn't like know who I was anymore. Like I didn't know whether I was a really nice guy with a, like a bit of a bad streak in him or whether I was a really nasty guy with a nice streak in him. I didn't like, who am I? Like, I mean, which one am I? Am I nice? Or I'm like, I want, or I, because I became somebody I didn't like. And, and this question came to me, don't you remember who you are? And then all of a sudden, it was like somebody pressed play on a DVD and I started to see flashbacks of my life and just like different, different major points in my life that, you know, I saw myself as a child and I saw like my mother taking me to Sunday school when I was a kid. Big shout out to all the kids workers, by the way. Man, I tell you, the seeds that get sown into somebody's life, and, you know, in a child's life is incredible. So like I, I, rem I remember seeing that in my mind and seeing myself going to Sunday school as a child, just like out of nowhere. It's like all of a sudden, it became like a fresh memory again. And then I kind of saw myself kind of like growing up through my teenage years and, and I kind of getting resentful towards different people and different things, different circumstances in my life that happened. Then I remember starting to take drugs and making some really stupid choices. And, and then I kind of like, it was a kind of a weird feeling because... I don't know if you've ever had this, but it was like when I, I, it was like I stepped back and I saw myself like from the outside. It was like, it was like God came, right? It was like God came to me and like shone a light on me and I suddenly saw stuff in my heart that I really didn't like. How many of us know like we can just go through the motions? Well, I definitely was anyway, just going through the motions of life, burying stuff, justifying my anger like a lot justifying my own anger and like you know I, I'm sure God was trying to break into my life before but every time tried to God tried to break into my life I'd always kind of like I'd always like spurn that and just like justify my anger and then what happens then of course is that you know your heart gets harder and harder and harder doesn't it and ultimately, when you dig a little deeper, you kind of know that your, ang your anger is not justifiable, actually. You're just having a bit of a pity party. And it goes on for 10 years. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like one of those things. I had that. It was like I was trying to justify my anger. And then all of a sudden, it was like I stepped back and saw myself in a completely different way. It was like God shone a light on the situation. And I saw my heart. And I tell you guys, guys, I did not like what I saw. 
It's a kind of a weird feeling, you know. I had it not so long ago, actually, when this idea of standing back and, like, seeing yourself. I was watching myself, like, in a wedding that I went to when I was about 23 or 24 years old. And, uh, and like, I was watching it and I think, wow, it's, like, really strange. It's really weird watching yourself from outside. Or, like, not so long ago, I was in a meeting and, like, I grabbed a microphone because uh, I, I, I had something to say in this meeting and uh, different people were contributing. And it was, like, one of those moments where, like, the speaker... Like came like the voice in the speaker came about two seconds after, and I suddenly thought to myself, "Wow, I sound really Welsh." I was like, "Wow, that is really Welsh, man!" I didn't realize how Welsh I sounded, you know. But it's like one of those things when you stand outside yourself and look in. And I and I gotta be honest, with you guys, I just saw loads and loads of pride. I saw loads and loads of anger. And man, it just started to like cut me to the heart, you know. And, and it, like pride was a big thing for me, I think, you know, because I kind of like um, had a big reputation. All, all, you know, me, me and my friends, all, all the boys I used to knock around with back in Wales, they were all the hardest boys on the block, you know. And I used to be in the tight t-shirt gang. You know the tight t-shirt gang? I got to be careful now I don't end up in another tight t-shirt gang. But I used to be in the tight t-shirt gang, you know, and it was like you build yourself like a reputation and that kind of thing. And I kind of saw myself in a completely different way in that moment. And then all of a sudden, I kind of like just felt really, I don't know, just guilty. Like just like this, this sense of guilt coming on me and this shame that I kind of like I'd never seen before. Now I saw like what was really in my heart. And I think what I was experiencing, I read these, I read these couple of verses to you and I like I explain to you what, what was going on in me at the time. Proverbs 25, verse 21 and 22, it says this. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. So this is now an enemy, okay? Give him, give him food if he's hungry. Give him something to drink if he's thirsty. And then in verse 2, in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, right? Where, you know that feeling you get where all of a sudden you feel like you've been caught out? <laughs> Dan's laughing. <laughs> you feel like you've been caught out, you know? It's like, just imagine for a moment you've got like a priceless vase in your hand, right? And like, it's just so, so expensive and then you drop it. You know that feeling you get where like you just see the thing smashing in front of you and your stomach goes, Ooh. Do you know what I mean? And then you get these hot flushes. Have you, have you guys ever had that? You're like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> like, I'm in trouble right now. It's like, and you get these hot flushes going through your body. I had that in prison. Nobody talking to me. No one in the cell talking to me about Jesus. I just think like God's presence just turned up. And in God's presence, I just felt like, whoa, I just like shrinking back, you know? It's like, wow, man, I can see something about myself in God's presence, but I don't think I like it. Do you know what I mean? It was like kind of that kind of feeling. And that's why it says here in verse 22, burning coals on your head. They're those hot flushes. So if you do something really good for an enemy, and then they kind of realize what you've done for them, you know, that's like, it can make them feel a little bit shameful, right? And I had that experience in prison because, you know what, I had, like, basically just spurned God, like, for years. I had forgotten about this, but God reminded me of, like, when I was 14 years old, and it's kind of fresh in my memory now, but I'd forgotten it for, you know, for years whilst I was addicted to drugs. 
Um, but it's really fresh in my mind now. I could take you back to the place. I could take you back to the lamppost, the very lamppost in South Wales where I was 14 years old and I was standing by that lamppost and I said to God, God, I don't want anything to do with you. I wouldn't recommend it because after that, my life went out of control, out of control. And like 14 years of like just out of, out of control lifestyle. You know, and it was 28 when I, when I ended up in prison. But it was that feeling where like, you know, an enemy giving you something to eat if you're hungry, an enemy, uh, sorry, giving, you, giving your enemy something to drink if he's thirsty or something to eat if he's hungry. I had that experience also in the sense of like, because I had spurned God for so long and like I was part of this gang. If any of you have read my book, you know, like my book goes into like nearly every prison in the UK and different rehabilitation centers and stuff. But when I was in prison or just before I went to prison, I'd fallen out with a number of guys from the gang because of drug related stuff. And uh, you know, here's the thing that like the only person that came to visit me in prison was Jesus. You know, just catch that for a moment. The God that I told for many years, I hate him. I remember saying it to him, I hate you. Stuff would happen in my life. Who's God? Whose fault is it? God's, God's fault. I hate you. You made a mess of my life. And then realizing like when I was in prison that actually none of that was God's fault. None of it. It was me running away from God, getting myself into a whole lot of mess, and then God turning up in my prison cell when no one else came to visit me. Man, I tell you what, Dan said about fire in my belly earlier. That is something that gets me really, really excited. Just to think that Jesus came to visit me in prison, you know, waiting for the moment. Just waiting for the moment. All the times I told him I hated him, it, didn't, it, like, it didn't seem to matter to him. His love was so powerful it just kept on going, kept on going, kept on going until one day when I was a bit broken in that prison cell, I had nowhere else to run. I'd come to the end of myself. I had no more ideas. I was totally frustrated. And it was like Jesus said, okay, now's the moment. Now let me see, let me show you what I can do for you. Isn't that awesome stuff? Isn't, isn't Jesus incredible? Like his faithfulness is just simply incredible. And here I am once again, I'm in this cell and I'm having this experience, right? I'm having this like personal, really powerful experience. And then all of a sudden I hear this voice. The voice that spoke to me the first time spoke to me again. And the second time this voice spoke to me, it, it went like this. If you want a second chance, Neil, I can give you another chance. And it was like, wow, it's like all of a sudden I was starting to see something like that something could be different. And and. God was starting to show me because I'd already experienced like I had a couple of encounters with Christians before I went to before I went to prison and God was starting to show me that actually you know there is another way there is another way and started God started to show me like wow Neil why not when you get out of prison why don't you start going to church why don't you listen to the, what those guys have told you and then so all of a sudden it was like light was coming into my mind and I didn't know who was, who was talking to me at the time, but I just knew that whoever it was that was talking to me could actually change my life. You know, because I, I had been a certain person for such a long time. And I, I remember thinking, oh man, it's just like no hope. I just like, I no hope, man. I just like, I'd given up. 
I did not know what was going to happen to me when I got out of that prison cell. I was getting scared. I felt like the writing was on the wall, you know. I was 28 years old, and I'd already felt like I'd lived two lives. My life was just full, man, hectic, 150 mile an hour constantly, all the time, going for it, going for it, going for it, trying to run away from myself. I think that was what was going on. And I, you know, I felt like the candle was burning, burning at both ends, like the writing was on the wall, and I was, I was getting scared. And just imagine, guys, right in that moment, when I was feeling that fear and just being scared and alone and frustrated, Jesus speaks. Starts to speak to me. Man, I tell you what, you know, I don't know what it sounds like to you guys now, me preaching this, but I tell you, in that moment when I started to hear that voice, wow, I tell you, started some, so there's something started to open up, which was like a revelation, and God was showing me another way. Man, it was powerful. And I remember, like, talking to this person. I'm starting to have a conversation with this person now in my head, right? And I remember asking the question, who are you? Who's talking to me? And as soon as I asked that question, the name came back, Jesus. Jesus. And I tell you guys, what was going on was that I, I, it, was like, it was like something opened up over me. And it's like all of a sudden, like I started experiencing like this showering of like blessing and God's love. And I just felt like this pity, this like this really strong like pity from God. Like, Neil, what have you done? What have you done? You know, I just like just showering just like over me like hope and blessing and freedom and promises like the promises to change and the things could be different. Now, can you imagine what, what was going on in me in that moment? Man, I tell you, I was having a personal revival. I was having a personal revival right there in that place. And it was like God was showing me like that when I was a child, because I felt like I was coming home. And now I tell her, that's an incredible feeling. When you've been away for a long time, and that feeling when you come home, and you feel exhausted because of the trip, and you just feel like you're coming home. Man, I tell you, it's an amazing feeling. I felt like God was showing me like that when I was a child, I actually had a relationship with Jesus. And I'd completely forgotten all about it. And I don't know if you've ever seen the, if you've ever seen the movie Hook. Have you seen that? I, I, that's, a, that's just a, like an epic film, isn't it? You know, Robin Williams, you know, it's like Peter Pan, and Peter Pan's grown up, and he's, you know, he's, got, he's married, he's got children, and then Tinkerbell turns up, right? Because there's trouble in Never Neverland. You know, it's like, and she's trying to convince him that he's Peter Pan, and he's completely forgotten about it. And she even takes him back there, takes him back to Never Neverland. She's trying to show him, can you remember this? Don't you not remember that? Can't you remember? Can't you remember? And he can't remember. And there's a, such a powerful moment in the movie where all of a sudden she takes him to a tree and, and shows him where he had inscribed his name in the tree. And she says, look, there's your name right there. And all of a sudden, boosh, his eyes get opened and he sees it. And then he starts to fly and stuff like that. Guys, I tell you, I had that moment. I had that experience in prison. No one in the prison cell talking to me, just God dealing with me. I tell you, it was absolutely epic. It was like, bang, my eyes being opened to another, another reality. And I tell you, I felt like I was coming home. I remember writing to my grandmother, because my grandmother, she, she always used to call me my little boy lost, right? Even when I was 28, man, embarrassing, isn't it? As I walk into her house and she'd say, ah, oh, there's my little boy lost. 
And she'd always ask me these questions. She'd always say this to me. Where have you been? Who have you been with? Liar. <laughs> she didn't give me a chance to talk. Who have you been with? Where have you been? Liar. Oh, my little boy lost. My little boy lost. And I did feel lost. And it must have showed as well. Because I got the nickname from my grandmother. Little boy lost. And I remember writing to her when I was in prison. I said, ma'am, do you remember that little boy lost? Well, he ain't lost anymore. And I could literally feel it. I could feel like I was coming home to God. And like, guys, this is 19 years ago. My life has never, ever been the same since. My life has completely transformed because of the power of God. And God has broken into my life and he's, he's changed me. And it was love. It was love that changed me. I always felt empty. I always longed for love. I, I mean, I don't know why, but I just did. I just didn't feel like, I didn't feel loved. I always felt like I was on the outside looking in. I couldn't understand life. I felt, I felt rejected. I felt lonely. All that was going on inside me. You know, yesterday, I, I spent some time yesterday with a, with a friend of mine um, who used to basically head up one of the biggest drug rings in South Wales, and he's a Christian now. So he got saved four years after me. It's amazing, really, because I, I used to run drugs for him, and then I became his pastor. And I was, I was with him yesterday. I'm like, we can talk honestly now about what was going on in us. And I, and I said to him yesterday, Mark, when I used to sit next to you in a car and we used to go around debt collecting and stuff like that, I said, I was scared sometimes. I said, I, there was stuff going on inside me I couldn't talk to you about. And he turned around and he said to me, do you know what, Neil, there was stuff going on inside me as well I couldn't talk to you about. So there was this brokenness, but this facade, you know, but broken, broken, broken inside. Man, I tell you, God just has done an amazing miracle inside me. You know, he has set me free from drug addiction. Um, you know, I feel like he set me free from a lot of demonic stuff. Man, I felt like my, my life was just cursed. Like demons, I felt everywhere around my life. You know, just like stopping me from succeeding, tormenting me all the time in my mind. In fact, when I was in prison and I heard that voice, I heard that voice Jesus, that word Jesus, you know, Dan talked about peace and Matt, Matt talked about peace. I tell you, because I used to get these voices in my head clamoring all the time, accusing me, taunting me. And when I heard that name Jesus in that prison cell, every other voice just went quiet, quiet. It's like Jesus has turned up, you know, it's like Jesus has turned up. And really what I want to do now, just like just to close off, just very quickly, uh, I just want to, because I believe that what I experienced in that prison cell was a revival. You know, and who believes this morning that we can pray for revival? You know, we can pray for revival for ourselves, you know, and we can pray for revival for our families and for our communities, right? And for this nation. You know, not so long ago, I had a dream. I had a really, really crazy dream, amazing dream. And in my dream, I walked into a coffee shop. I think it's like something cost, like Costas or something. And when I walked into this coffee shop, uh, I suddenly realized that over the, like the, over the radio that they were playing in this coffee shop, they were playing Christian songs in this dream I was having. And I was going to ask the question, like, you know, hey, how comes you're playing Christian songs in a coffee shop, you know, on the high street? And in my dream, I suddenly realized that the reason why they were playing these songs, these Christian songs, is because there had been a national revival. And everything was different. Like everything was changed. It was like a new creation. 
like like Christianity, like the gospel was like going up and down the land, and they were even playing like worship songs in costas because that was the norm. You know, we talk about a new normal, man. That's the new normal I'm going after. Are you? I'm going after that, and I believe that we can pray for it. And I just want to very quickly give you three points. Give like give us three points of what we can be praying into. Okay, the link with my testimony. Number one. Let's pray for revelation, that people get revelation, that people's eyes will be open to the truth like, like, like that happened with me. Um, Ephesians 1 verse 17, I love this. Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Just like me when I was in that prison cell and bang, wow. It's like a crazy feeling, right? Have you ever had that moment when you're driving down like the, you're driving down the motorway and it's like it's been raining and stuff and your, your windscreen gets really like mucky. And uh, you know, you, you haven't got any water and you're like in your sprayer, so like in your sprinkler, so like you're trying to see through the thing. And you know that moment when you, when you actually do have water in there and you kind of like you press the thing and it's just like, just clears, clears the windscreen completely. It's an amazing feeling, isn't it? I had that when I was in prison. Bang. Wow. I can see it. I can see something. I see myself. Oh, ouch, don't like that. See what was in my heart. Ouch. But I also see the love of God. Amen. And so the love of God just pouring into my life and who God is. Let's keep praying that for ourselves, but also let's pray for our families and for this nation, that this nation and we would experience the spirit of revelation. Bang. Wow, I see it. Man, I tell you, because, you know, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that Satan, who's the God of this world, small g, not capital G, small g, he's the God of this world, and he's blinded the people's eyes. But who believes this morning that God can open people's eyes in the name of Jesus? I absolutely believe it because I've experienced it. That windscreen wiper moment, bang, wow, I can see it. Man, I tell you, you know, like when I went from hopelessness to hope in a moment. I went from despair to liberty in a moment. I went from like depression to joy in a moment because I saw something. I saw it. And man, you know, you know how it goes, eh? What you see, you can get. But I saw something. You know, I went to visit a guy in prison not so long ago. And my book had been doing like doing the rounds in the prison. And uh, the psychologist, the, psych the prison psychologist, pulled me into a room before I went in to visit this guy. And she sat me down, and she, I'll never forget it. She looked at me, and she said, Neil, she said, I, I've read your book. She said, I want to ask you a question, like, what happened to you? She said, because I could put you in a room with a team of psychologists, and they'd have a field day with you. Like you'd be under, like they want, they would want to know how the heck did you get from there to where you are now? And I was a joy to tell her, Jesus did it. It's Jesus because He opens the eyes, man, and He opens the eyes of the blind. And when you see it, then you can have it. The next thing I think we could be praying for is to know God's love. Ephesians three, verse seventeen to nineteen. It says this, Paul once again says this, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power, notice that, may have power, Paul says, I pray you'll have power together with all Lord, the Lord's holy people 
to grasp how, high, how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You know, you can imagine Paul. Now, Paul was probably a great preacher, being able to articulate kingdom truth. But you can just imagine Paul trying to, trying to teach about the love of God and then stopping and saying, man, if I don't pray that you get this, I don't, know, I don't think you're going to get it. It doesn't matter how good I am at trying to articulate it for you. You need God's power to be able to grasp this kind of love because it goes beyond human comprehension. It's not of this world. God's love is not like human love. God's love is absolutely awesome. It's totally unconditional. And it, like, it reaches out to you whether you know it or not. It's, it's relentless. It never ends. And it just keeps reaching out because that's who God is. It's like the rays that come from the sun just do that naturally because of what the sun is. Goodness and love and mercy and kindness all that just comes from God because of who he is. I think I felt something of this one day when I was, I was walking through Tesco's. And uh, I remember I was walking, I saw, I saw this guy and he was obviously very, very disabled. And, um, and I'm not kidding you, right? As God is my witness. Paul sometimes said that as well. And I'm saying it as well. As God is my witness, right? As I walked past this guy, just for that moment... I felt this incredible love to him and I would have swapped places with him if I'd had the chance. I'm not kidding you. I mean, it was such an, it's supernatural. It's supernatural. It's the, it's the sort of love that actually where somebody comes up to you and slaps you across the face and you still love them. You know, I'm, it's like it's not of this world. But the love of God, I tell you, can transform people's lives. So let's be praying that the love of God would break in to people's lives. And then lastly, very quickly, for God's power to change. Like I experienced when I was in prison, God's power to change. I love Paul once again in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Powerful stuff, isn't it? The new is here. I remember after I got out of prison and became a Christian and stuff, reading through the Bible and coming across that, and wow, wow, that's me. That's me, man. Man, that's incredible. When you actually have the experience and then realize that it's been written about 2,000 years ago, you realize, wow, I'm part of something massive here. I'm not the only one this has happened to. And you know the power of God's, you know, God's power to change. And we could be praying for this, guys. We, we could be praying into this. That revival would hit our streets. That revival would hit, hit our homes. I'm here today because I would partly want to say to you, if God can do it for me, he can do it for anyone. Like, I'm not special. If God hadn't broken into my life, I, I, you know, I dare to think where I'd be today. But I, I am who I am because of the grace of God. That's what Paul also said. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Man, I tell you, and in closing, just a little testimony, because this is an awesome testimony. When I got, when I got out of prison, uh, I, started going to, I started going to a church. And um, I didn't know this. I didn't know the guy who was leading the meeting at the time. But when I walked in, uh, he told me about this afterwards. There was a guy leading the meeting. His name is David Dando. And he used to be, he's retired now, but he was the chief superintendent of the Rhonda Valleys, police officer. And I'd been released from prison that week, and my mugshot had gone across his desk that week. 
So I, you know, just imagine now, I walk into the church on the Sunday morning and he has seen my mugshot that week and I, and I guess who turns up on Sunday? Me. Right, here I am, you know. He told me afterwards, he publicly apologized to me in a men's meeting because he actually, he actually thought that when, when he saw me that night or that day coming to church, he, he looked at me and he thought, hmm, what's he doing here? He thought I'd come to rob the church. He thought I'd come to like check out the projectors and stuff like that, you know? And so like he publicly apologized to me and said, man, I can see that God has changed you. You're a different person. Now catch this, right? There were also two other police officers in that church who had arrested me in the past. One of them, and this is where I had the Edinburgh Hours community service for, was I'd been arrested for driving a stolen car. And the arresting officer was also in that church. So David Dando was in there. There was another guy. I tell you, I knew there was something different about him. When he arrested me and I was sitting in a room with him in in an interview room, I just felt like his eyes, I don't know, there was something different about him. And he was in the church. Like when I walked into the church, there he was. And there was another girl in there who'd arrested me in the past. There were three police officers in that church when I walked in. And I remember thinking to myself, God, you've set me up. Like, is there anything else I need to fess up for? Like, you know, is they going to put me back in or what? Do you know what? I tell you guys, this is awesome, right? Only God does this. I became a pastor in that church. I got baptized in that church, went off to Bible college. When I got back from Bible college, I became one of the pastors. In other words, David Dando became a colleague of mine. You know, I remember him introducing me one day when I was about to share my testimony. He said, I just want to let everybody know like that a few years ago, we would have been enemies. But now he's my brother in the Lord. So like, you know, that was him. Um, And I became the pastor of those two police officers who had arrested me. Man, I tell you, that's awesome. I feel like just like drop the mic and walk out. Like it's like, man, that's like incredible. Isn't that awesome? How, how does that happen? How does it happen? How does it happen that those police officers who had arrested me in the past were now coming to me for advice? Only God does that. Only God does that. I mean, I did not do that myself. That was purely God. And I tell you guys, man, you know, the, the rest, as they say, is history my life has gotten from from glory to glory to glory and you know we've had our ups and downs of course we always do hey listen you know some people think that christianity is a bed of roses anybody that's been in it long enough knows that that's not the case right my, my friend often says this man you, people say christianity is a bed of roses he says if you ever walk through a bed of roses <laughs> it's full of it's full of thorns <laughs> So it's not always easy, but man, with God's strength in your life, it doesn't, it doesn't like rule out all suffering that we may go through, but he can certainly deliver us from stuff as we keep praying. But even as we face things, man, I tell you, God's power in your life, God's strength in your life, God's hope in your life, who wouldn't want to receive that? Isn't that awesome stuff? Really, really awesome. And so guys, I just want to come to a close right now. I just want to pray for us. And, uh, and land it and just hand it, and then hand it back over to Dan. But, you know, if you're here this morning and, you know, you feel like you're in a prison cell, you feel like, you feel like that inside, and, you, you know, you, maybe loneliness is an issue, maybe anxiety or depression, 
maybe frustration, maybe feel frustrated with life. You know, if that's you this morning, I'd love to pray for you and ask the same Jesus that showered his blessing on me and set, that set me free, that he would do the same for you. And that you would, like, something would happen in your life and something would shift in your life. Is that cool? So if that's you, I wonder, would you be really bold? Would you be willing just to shoot up your hand? If you, if you just shoot up your hand like that, that's really cool, guys. A few hands going up. If there's anybody else, you just feel like you need God's liberty in your life right now. Right, let me pray for you guys. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for, for those that have lifted their hands this morning. I pray, Lord, that the same God that you set me free, Lord, I pray for them right now. And I pray, Lord, that I pray you shower upon them your hope, your blessing, God, your love, your power to transform. God, I pray that they would know your nearness. They would know you close, Lord. And I pray that you would transform their lives and lift the burden off. Thank you that you come to lift the burden. And I pray that you would lift the burden off them and replace it with a revelation of your goodness and your love and your presence in Jesus' name.